Hello and welcome to Growing in God's Word, a Bible class recap. It's a weekly summary of the discussions we have in our Sunday morning Bible class at Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Thomas Fricke and I'll be guiding you through some of the discussions we've had while exploring topics of relevance to Christians in today's world. Today's topic, Jonah the Reluctant Prophet. We continue what we began last week. God cares deeply about every lost soul. And that's the great lesson of the book of Jonah. The reluctant prophet needed to learn to care about the people the Lord was calling him to serve. In the same way, we too need to be concerned about every lost soul. Jonah tried to run away from God. Well, and while he was running away, God stopped him in his tracks and led him to realize his foolishness. At the prophet's own insistence, the ship's crewmen threw him overboard to calm the storm. And then when they saw that the storm had stopped, they began to worship God. They were so impressed by his power that they offered a sacrifice and began to serve him. God is able to use even our mistakes to bring about something good. It may be painful, but admitting our sins can be a powerful example to those around us. And in this case, uh, we don't know whether these uh, sailors were brought to true faith, saving faith in the true God, but they did recognize that there was something powerful about him. Jonah's actions may seem strange behavior for a prophet of the Lord. It took dedication to God and courage in the face of opposition to be a prophet. Prophets warned the people of the impending judgment of God. It was difficult work. Still, prophets like Amos, Micah, and Isaiah challenged the lifestyles of the rich and famous in Israel, charging them with greed, idolatry, and hypocrisy. They urged the nation to change their ways. By contrast, Jonah failed to fulfill his calling as a prophet by heading in the opposite direction. To understand Jonah better, we're going to take some time today to learn more about the noble fellowship of the prophets, who they were, and what they were called to do. We can define a prophet, I suppose, as one who speaks for someone of a higher authority, but more specifically, biblically, a prophet would be someone who speaks a message from God. By this definition, who qualifies as a prophet? Well, clearly in today's world, pastors would qualify as prophets, spokesmen for the Lord when they speak faithfully what it is that God is telling them to say, what the Word of God says. But uh, I think we could probably also include other people who speak in behalf of the Lord, those who are put in positions to share the truth of God's word, whether they're pastors or not. I think of Paivi Rosin and the Finnish uh, uh, parliamentarian who was put on trial simply for retweeting a part of Romans chapter 1 that decries the sin of homosexuality uh, simply for posting something, I believe, on Facebook that reproduced the Bible itself. She was called uh, hateful and a bigot and had to suffer the consequences of that being brought to trial once and then also with an appeal. Uh, that whole situation is not yet over because another appeal, according to Finnish law, is still possible. But uh, she, I think, could qualify as a prophet in that kind of a sense where she is sharing in a very timely fashion God's words, speaking in behalf of the higher authority of God, simply sharing what God has to say. Jonah may have been the, the, the Lord's most reluctant prophet in the Old Testament scriptures, 
But there were others. Moses was reluctant to serve as a prophet as well. And Isaiah and Jeremiah also expressed their reservations about accepting the Lord's call to serve. We might find it disturbing that such famous prophets felt uneasy about taking on the role of a prophet. But, you know, it, it's perhaps even more reassuring than it is disturbing. You can understand where we'd, we'd feel, well, why would somebody not want to accept the call of the Lord? It's God talking. It's God who's asking you to serve. But at the same time, uh, it, it is reassuring to know that these prophets were very well aware, aware that it was not their own message that they're bringing to the people. They were being called to speak in behalf of the Lord. And those who have a sense of their own unworthiness and their own inadequacy actually demonstrate the kind of humility that is absolutely necessary for serving faithfully uh, as a spokesman, a spokesman of the Lord. And so it, I think it's more reassuring than it is disturbing to know that so many of the prophets that God called were reluctant and hesitant to take on such an important role for God. Sunday morning we had the chance to read a little bit about Moses' um, call to be the Lord's messenger Moses, when he, the God spoke to Moses out of the burning bush, Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? That's objection number one, or at least at this point, if it's not exactly an objection, it's a question. And God said, I will be with you. And then he gives him uh, some uh, support for that. Then Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God then explains, I am who I am. And then he just coaches Moses as to what to say. So another um, well, voiced concern on the part of Moses. A third one in Exodus chapter 4, Moses said, what if they do not believe me or listen to me? And say, the Lord did not appear to you. Uh, I, and, and God provides a response for Moses there. But now his fourth and fifth objections start to become a little bit more quarrelsome with God. Pardon your servant, Lord, Moses said. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And you can hear the impatience growing in God's response. Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. And then we get the last one. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. And then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. And the Lord goes on to say that I'll uh, permit uh, my words to come through Aaron if need be. Well, it's kind of interesting and almost even humorous when you realize that at the end of his years of service to the Lord and to the Israelites, the entire book of Deuteronomy, almost the entire book of Deuteronomy, is the stuff that Moses said and said with great eloquence 
uh, to the Lord's people, Israel. Other reluctant prophets include, as we mentioned, Isaiah. Uh, when he was called, he said, Woe to me, I'm ruined, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a, a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. He's fully aware of his own unworthiness. It kind of reminds you of Peter at the, the miraculous um, catch of, of fish, recognizing he's standing in front of uh, the Lord himself with, with these miraculous powers. And he says, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. And then you have Jeremiah. And the Lord says to him, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Uh, so I think for the expressions of humility that we hear, which are maybe very much reassuring for us, it's also true that the Lord is responding to that sinful nature that basically says, I don't want to have to put myself through some of these difficult times. Uh, one of the questions we asked on Sunday, Moses led the nation of Israel through some difficult times. What did he also do to, ref to fulfill the role of a prophet? Not just leading the people politically um, out of the land of Egypt and across the Red Sea and through the, the wilderness. But um, what Moses did is he ultimately simply spoke God's word to the people. He gave them God's law, uh, but he also uh, gave them the message of the gospel, the Lord still loves you and is sending his son uh, to be your savior. He will send the Messiah, uh, the chosen one, the anointed one, who is going to come and be your savior. He spoke God's word. Jesus did the same thing. Um, in Deuteronomy 18, Moses says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. And we read then later in Deuteronomy about Moses that since then no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. But that is until Jesus came, um, a greater prophet than Moses, because he was the Son of God himself. Moses spoke the Word of God faithfully, both law and gospel, but Jesus embodied the Word of God. He was the Word of God himself every word that he spoke was in fact and indeed God's word. One of the questions that we asked on Sunday morning is when have you been hesitant to take on a leadership role or to say what needed to be said in support of your faith? Um, I have to think about a couple of times uh, for me. I think the very first time I stood in a pulpit <laughs> or maybe the first uh, uh, several dozen times I stood in a pulpit about to present the Word of God to God's people. Uh, you, you just are overwhelmed with who am I to, to be the person to be sharing a message from God's Word to these dear people of the Lord here today. And uh, it is a, a humbling experience to do that. Uh, I also remember when I was uh, asked by District President Herb Prowl a number of years ago, earlier in my ministry to take on the role of a circuit pastor, to be sort of the pastor's pastors for a group of about, um, about 12 to 14 pastors in our immediate area at that time. It was going to be taking on a pretty big responsibility, and I do remember 
having a set of objections myself. So he called me up and floated the idea, gave me some time to think about it, and then later on I said, I don't know if I can do this. And uh, he said, Tom, if you don't, who will? And uh, that, that was an important thing for me to hear because the other pastors in the area um, e- either weren't in a position to do it or were uh, younger, less experienced than I was. And finally, I had to just kind of realize that this is my, my moment of being called by the Lord, uh, like Moses, and it would not have been good for me at that point to say, just please get somebody else to do it. <laughs> um, okay, so as we went on in our Bible class on Sunday morning, we read from Second Samuel chapter 12, and now we have an example of a prophet who had to do some of that very difficult work of confronting a sinner. David had committed adultery with Bathsheba, uh, and he had seen to it, uh, he was in trying to cover up his sin, his guilt, his fathering a child uh, as a result of the sexual dalliance that he had there. He, he uh, David, uh, in the end, uh, Uh, saw to it that uh, Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, who was a good man and a faithful soldier and faithful to the king, (laughs) Uh, David had this man killed, uh, put on the front line of battle where he would certainly be killed. We read this, 2 Samuel 12, the Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, there were two men In a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it, and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David, hearing this story, we read, burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. And then he continues, why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. This is a powerful confrontation that Nathan the prophet needed to carry out. Uh, And the question that we raised was, how do you think you would have felt if it were your job to go to the king, King David, and confront him with his sin? Now, understand Nathan may have been a trusted advisor of the king. He was probably familiar with King David already and David familiar with him. But Nathan realized then it was his responsibility. When he gathered the facts, it was his responsibility to go in and talk to the king because who else is going to do it? Um, how would you have felt? I think the number one reaction that uh, people said is, I'd, I'd have been fearful the king would have the power to say off with his head, uh, to lead me off so that I would not be free, would not see the light of day for the rest of my life, or, or maybe not even 
live to leave uh, the, 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 the palace. Uh, but I think at the same time, Nathan must have felt not just fearful, but also compelled to do it. Remember when Jeremiah the prophet was called to speak to God's people, he then, uh, we read this in Jeremiah chapter 20, he felt like every time, Lord, I try to say the right thing, uh, people get mad at me, but then when I try to keep it in and decide I'm not going to say anything this time just so that I, I don't cause so much conflict and turmoil, he said, but if I say I will not mention his word, this is the Lord's word, Jeremiah is saying, or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. Uh, so Jeremiah is saying, I, you know, when I talk, uh, I feel the heat. But if I keep it all pent up inside, it burns in my heart like a fire, and I can't keep it in anymore. I've got to say something. And I'm sure that Nathan felt this way too, and I'm sure that he spent a good deal of time mulling over in his mind and praying, how do I confront the king about this sin? What can I do? And perhaps uh, the Lord planted in his heart uh, the seed, well, why don't you just talk to him as, uh, as somebody who has cared for sheep? David was a shepherd as a, as a younger man, and he learned to love the sheep that he cared for. Uh, why don't you tell a story that is going to tug at the king's heartstrings? And David, David's hypocrisy then was evidenced in his reaction. So uh, a couple of thoughts here. We read then in 2 Samuel 12, Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, The Lord has taken away your sin. And then he continues to spell out the consequences of that sin. Uh, don't just pass over those words when you read them in the scriptures as if it all took place in the matter of 15 seconds. <laughs> That's not what's happening here. I'm, I'm absolutely certain that uh, there was a lot of silence, awkward and difficult silence. And I am absolutely certain that there were diverted eyes and sweaty palms and shaking hands and quivering voices in this conversation. And after a period of soul searching, David says, I've sinned against the Lord. And I'm, I'm certain that the prophet Nathan studied David's facial expressions to be sure that the king is actually expressing genuine heartfelt repentance. And then he realizes that it is his job not only to share the gospel with his king, who has humbled himself and is truly repentant, but it's also his job to spell out what the consequences for that sin are going to be. Consequences which, to his credit, and as a demonstration of his genuine repentance, David accepted. The Lord has taken away your sin. You're not going to die. Uh, 
But because by doing this you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. So it, it had to have been difficult for Nathan to, um, to confront the king over his sin. And so many times we as Christians face similar situations where we are put in a position where we need to speak the truth in behalf of God. It's going to make us uncomfortable, but it's the thing that we have to do. When God puts us in the position to do that, he has called us to do that, and he's made us, in a certain sense, his prophet, his spokesman for that period in time. On Sunday morning, we also went on to read from Isaiah chapter 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. This is what the prophet Isaiah says. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Um, and uh, it kind of goes on from there. Uh, the... Uh, the, the, the question that comes up in reading the prophet Isaiah is the question, the same question that the Ethiopian eunuch once asked to Philip the evangelist. Uh, who, is, who is the prophet talking about, himself or somebody else? And the answer, of course, is he's talking about somebody else. Um, in that case, he was reading from Isaiah 53, but also Isaiah 61 uh, would qualify. Well, yeah, the prophet is talking about somebody else, the servant of the Lord. Jesus, when he began his ministry, went to his hometown, Nazareth, and in a synagogue service on a, on a Sabbath day, uh, he stood up in front of the congregation, unrolled the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and said, reading, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's from Luke chapter 4. And uh, we asked the question then on Sunday morning, if we, the group could think of other prophecies about the coming Messiah that were clearly fulfilled in Jesus. And right away they came up with, uh, well, Isaiah chapter 7, where a virgin will conceive and give birth to a child. Or the prophecies about Jesus' crucifixion in Isaiah chapter 53, uh, he was crushed for our iniquities, um, wounded for our transgressions. All of that foretells the suffering of Jesus in our place on the cross. Or Zechariah chapter 9, where Jesus uh, is pictured as the one who rides triumphantly on a donkey uh, amidst shouts of joy. Um, so that, that was our study of uh, prophecy and the prophets. Again and again, the Old Testament scriptures um, kind of pull back, uh, 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 kind of open the door, open a window, um, and pull back the blinds to just show a little bit of a glimpse of the Savior, the Messiah, who is to come. People didn't always know exactly when these prophecies were going to be fulfilled. But once they were, um, it became evident that the Old Testament scriptures spoke about the coming of the Lord Jesus again and again and again. 
Uh, after we go through this study of, of uh, prophets and prophecy, um, we asked the, the group on Sunday morning, what's, what's the message that you want to hear from your pastors? And uh, very simply, it's, it's a message you need to tell us that we're sinful human beings. You need to point out our sins. Uh, call us to repent, but also show us what we can put our trust in, what we can believe in. Give us the gospel, the good news, that Jesus has removed our sin and our guilt, and he's prepared a place for us at his side for eternity. Uh, we also asked finally the question, how would you be able to discern whether the message your pastors preach is God's truth or not? And what action can you take if the messenger strays from the truth of God's word? And the answer to that question is, well, we need to know as, as regular everyday members of the church, we just need to know what the Bible has to say and uh, if the pastor is going to stray from God's word, we need to be able to speak to them and to just say, did, did I misunderstand what you said? What are you saying here? And uh, if it is something that truly contradicts God's word, then we're going to have to speak up about that. So again, that's when uh, the individual armed with God's word, speaking God's word, becomes the prophet him or herself in the broader sense of that term. Okay, so that's our Growing in God's Word Bible class recap for this week. Thanks once again for listening to our podcast this morning. If you have ideas for future topics, we are interested in having you let us know. We'll see you next week. We're going to continue our study of the book of Jonah. Our Sunday morning Bible study meets in the Commons here at Trinity at 9.15 a.m. We'd love to see you there. Come and join us. Until then... Keep on growing in God's word.